Hello, all you podcast listeners out there. Welcome to Knife Journal Podcast, episode number 49. My name is James Noka. I'm with Kyle Versteg, my trusted co-host. Uh, an all-around good guy and good friend. Right, right. And uh, what's up, gotta, people? Oh, we're having a good time today. Yeah, it's be beautiful hard. day. Absolutely gorgeous day today. Yeah. We had a heck of a storm uh, the last couple days. Oh no! Really bad. Lots of trees blown down. Our power went out for a little bit. We had all kinds of excitement. Nice. How about you? Oh, just. Uh, I had to work yesterday. So basically, uh, yesterday Jim wanted to uh, record with the the three of us, so with uh, Chance Sanders over Skype, and unfortunately uh, I was working. And so I couldn't be there in the session, so Jim uh, recorded with Chance, and we'll splice that in here. But basically, if you don't know who Chance Sanders is, uh, he how would you describe him? Like... Chance Sanders is a. Uh, um, he was a he, he was a Marine that got out of the Marine Corps. I think like five or six years ago. After about ten years, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it was ten. I think he was in ten years or eight years or something like that. And he was a, a, a instructor mm-hmm. for uh, I believe a two forty instructor. Okay, and. Uh, he got out and he applied for a position protecting, uh, and uh, you know he flies around in helicopters and drives around in black suburbans and does all that cool guy shit that everybody wants to do that nobody can do. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and he's you know just an all around good guy, but he's a he's an interesting fella. He, he grew up on the streets and. Um, loves the outdoors he's a very avid outdoorsman yeah um does a uh uh escape and evasion class he's got he's done a cd uh about um urban and survival DVDs. he's he's got or so dvd i'm sorry that's what i meant kind of in the publishing world he writes a lot of articles he's uh yeah he uh teaches classes on like urban survival and escape and evasion yep. and stuff and you know so he knows his stuff He's um, a real common sense kind of guy, right? And we know him from uh, Woodstock. And, and also, he, also he makes uh, uh, knives. Yeah, he he also makes knives. He's, he's got, got a knife a, out uh, with forge. mission, doesn't he? Yep, mission. Yep, knives. he's got a knife out with mission. He works with them a little bit in um, uh, do, doing some of their designing. Um, he's all around interesting guy. Father of a couple kids. Uh, nice wife. Yeah, you know, just and, he's got it all together, and we know him real well. And you've probably heard us talk about him before um, because we've got dirt time with him. So, yep, yep. you know, it's like uh, the people we talk about. It's not like they're paying us to talk about them. It's just friends of ours. Yep, you know. So it's it's one of those things. He's kind of a friend of ours, and uh, one of the main contributions of his to our podcast has been that he kind of introduced you and I. Wouldn't you say he introduced you and I to the trackers? Yes, basically. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So he was a he was a big tracker fan back in the back when they first came out. Yeah, and so well after um, the movie The Hunted, and yeah, 
and I watched that movie at his suggestion, and so then I think he I think he actually went to uh, one of the Tom Brown schools. Yeah, he may if have. I'm not I, mistaken. I, I haven't really talked to him about it, but um, I know uh, you know. So he kind of got us to at least have an open mind about it and try it, and yep. we both have uh, made some. Bark River did a run of them. And it was a grind-in knife once. Uh, speaking of yep. which, the grind-in is uh, next, next weekend. Week. Yep. And yep. I, I, I can't be there because uh, I have to go play drums. With uh, when are you, Now, you're going this Wednesday? No, I, I leave. Well, the thing is, is like if I, I could technically go to the grind-in um, because I don't have to leave for um, Michigan until Monday. But um, I have to bring a bass player with me, and I can't. I, there's no way I'm going to be able to talk to talk to him into going to the grind end and just spending a few extra days. He's not a knife guy, huh? Uh, no. Um, but anyway, That's too the, bad. The guy I'm playing with is he's hired me. He he tours all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Johnny Rogers, and you can check his website out, johnnyrogersband.com. It's with two N's, and Rogers is R-O-G-E-R-S. Well, in uh, so, so Tuesday, September 16th, and Wednesday, September 17th, we're doing, uh, we're uh, playing some gigs in uh, Frankenmuth, of all places. Um, Frankenmuth, for, Michigan. For the gray hairs. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> the gray the gray hair bus tours. Yeah, and so we we got like we got a bunch of gigs to play there. They're almost sold out. Um, last I heard, there was just a few tickets left, but maybe somebody will maybe there'll be some more tickets or something. I don't know, but um, so I got to play a few shows with him in Michigan, and then back to the grindstone. So. I can't make the grind in because of that. Otherwise, I'd be there because this is the fun one. It's the Jersey Devils yep. one. Yep, yep, yep. Um, well, they're all fun, but the people there, like, are interesting people watching. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's like a <laughs> there's like an energy in the crowd that is is missing in the other grind ins. Yeah, is yep. how I would well, I wouldn't say it's missing. It's just different. Different, yeah, different. It's, yep, so yep. There's That's like what this I would say. Weird, it's different. Uh, it's like uh, there's extra testosterone and extra, like there's a, a weird like uh, aggressive, <laughs> pissed off, like a, like a little vein of blue lightning running through it is how I would describe <laughs> it. And I didn't get that on the other grinding I went to. Um, yeah, but that's, that's yeah, it's they're fun. it's interesting. Yeah, yep, it's a fun group, and uh, um, they lost a fella. Actually, we all lost a fella. Uh, his he used to go by Jack Blades. I don't know how he passed away, but he just passed away recently. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, he was a knife guy. He he's was on knife forums from the beginning. Um, it's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, hey, um, let's. Uh, I'm gonna splice in uh, Chance's thing here, and uh, we'll resume afterwards. Okay, sounds good. Here we go. Knives Ship Free is the best place to buy knives, period. We only carry the best stuff, everything is in stock, and everything ships for free. But the best thing about Knives Ship Free is that we care about knives and we care about you. So go to KnivesShipFree.com for an amazing selection of the knives you love. (laughs) 
Hello there, podcast listeners. This is James Noka. I'm here with uh, Kyle is vacant for some reason. Uh, he's actually had to do some kind of surgery or something today. And I'm with our special guest today on episode number 49 of the Knife Journal podcast. I'm with my buddy, Chance Sanders. What's going on, guys? <laughs> Dressed up like a hipster. I was just teasing him. He's, he told me that he got, his cl- he got his shirt at Goodwill. And I thought that uh, that was kind of hipster of him. He's even, he's even growing a beard now. Well, a mustache. I can't have a beard. And a mustache. Okay. I'm just... You guys can't have a... Uh, you guys can't have a, a uh, mustache or a beard at work? No, because a uh, gas mask fit. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, I haven't been able to uh, have a, a facial hair since I was 19. Like, that's, I have the ability a, to do it, obviously. I just... I'm not allowed to. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good excuse. It is. That's a good excuse. So, uh... We're here with kind of a special deal today because uh, normally um, Kyle does the one-on-one things because he ties them all together and and edits them and does that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of stepping out of my element today. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple things that we were talking about earlier and just carrying on that conversation about... Uh, survival stuff and clothes and fashion and fingernail polish <laughs> hey did you see the uh the new uh date rape drug fingernail polish dude you have no idea um probably 10 years ago my sister-in-law and i had a we had this idea that we were going to do a straw like that oh wow where yeah. a, where a woman could put a straw in a in a uh in a drink and it would turn colors if it had a uh, one of the date rape drugs in it and we were kicking it around and trying to figure out what would work, what wouldn't work. And, you know, it's just like one of those toss-around deals. I mean, it's like, yeah, we already had that idea. And when I saw that the other day, I sent her, I sent her that link, and she wrote back, wow, that's a great idea. We should have thought about that. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. It's like uh, the breathalyzer thing that, you know, lets you, won't let your car start. Right. Um, it's almost one of those things, if you're impaired... Um, you're probably not going to remember to blow a breathalyzer. Right. Are you, and if you're impaired, you're probably not going to remember to look at your straw to see. I mean, people just yeah. make a lot of stupid decisions when they're uh, well, you know, it's drunk funny. and abroad. You know, my my kid got uh, GHB poisoning. What is uh, that? Which is one of the date rape drugs. Your, your um, son? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was in a coma for three days. Good Lord. Yep. It was not a pleasant thing. He... Uh, it, in his case, it wasn't used as a date rape drug. It was used uh, a lot of minor parties that we've gone to have have had like uh, be six kids, six beers, and all the kids are shit faced. Oh wow! And nobody can figure out how that can possibly be. We always think that they drink way more than they do. Well, come to find out, what they're doing is this stuff called GHB, and it's Made underneath your kitchen sink with the materials under your kitchen sink, and it's uh, a little bit of it makes you feel drunk. Mm. Okay, so what these kids were doing was they put a little bit of it in a beer, they drink it, and it's like drinking a twelve pack. Wow! Without and less filling. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> less calories. Yeah, less calories. Well, because it's not made in a laboratory conditions, each dose is a little bit different. 
And what happens, these kids, is this. It's not an uncommon thing. They'll they'll um, start out with a little bit, you know, one or two drops, one or two drops, one or two drops. They get the right amount, and all of a sudden they use that amount until they're out. Then they get a new batch. Well, instead of starting over, they start out where they were last time. Ah. And they overdose on it. So it's kind of like a, the eternal stew. You just yep. keep adding stuff to yep, the pot. Yep, exactly. And so uh, uh, what happened to Jimmy was either it was intentional or it was accidental. Nobody really knows. Um, but he went over. He just got back from Germany, and, and some friends of his were at a party. He went over there just to make a make a. Uh, not to make a scene, but an just appearance. to make a, an appearance, yeah. And uh, had a beer, and he was talking to one of his old friends, one of his old girlfriends. And there was some thought that maybe the new boyfriend put some in his drink, or or mm. he inadvertently drank somebody else's drink, right? And uh, passed out. Well, he literally had like a half a beer, and. Um, Went there the next day, and he was non-responsive. And we ended up calling an ambulance and took him to the hospital, and they had every test imaginable. Couldn't figure out what it was. And because apparently GHB does not show up in the blood system. It metabolizes so fast that you literally, you don't get it out of your, you, if you take a blood sample, you won't get it. Uh, you won't get it, nothing will show up. Right. So, but it shows up in the brain. Hmm. And so what they uh, they were like, well, I said, well, it's not a good idea to probe his brain to figure out what the hell's wrong with him. But right. we kind of we figured out that's what it was. And But what's interesting, when he finally did come out of it, he said that he remembered everything that we said, everything that we did, every poke that he received, every scratch, Ouch. every... Exactly. And and it was kind of funny, because he doesn't talk about it a lot, but he said that, uh, that it, he thought it was what insanity was. Huh. Which was, um, you know, you can't do anything. You're just there, and everything else is just happening around you, and you and you have no control over anything. Kind of like in the movies, but, where they always have some rare spider venom or something that makes you paralyzed, but able to feel all the bad stuff they're going to do to you, kind of thing. Yep, yep, exactly. And and I'm thinking that that's probably what this is, because hmm. uh, he was he, he just couldn't respond. He couldn't say anything. Couldn't blink his eyes. Couldn't do nothing. Dang. It was pretty, and when he came out of it, he was, you know, like, wow, that was a, that was kind of crappy. <laughs> right. Um, but, oh, so today, get this, I go to my local dive shop because I lost my Patty ID card that lets me get my tanks filled and, you know, go dive and all that stuff. And the local dive shop is through, I think, Naui or one of the other entities. Yep. So they could not help me with my dive card. So I'm going to have to get online and figure out how to contact Patty and send a new photograph and yada, 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 and get a new card. But um, I did get some replacement straps for my fins. You know, the old, uh, the jet fins, like the military type. Uh, yep. That's what I use. And yep. I actually got these from Eldridge and um, who's uh, the podcast or the forum moderator guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the foot... Um, the part where your foot goes in is a little tight, and uh, they had a, a new pair of them. They were the extra large uh, mm-hmm. foot hole. I, I use those. You know, every, a, lot of, a lot of technical divers use those. Exactly. We go up to Lake Joe Cassie, which is here in South Carolina, and it's uh, there's a 300 foot dive there, 
because it's in a, it's in the mountains and it's like a little rock quarry and there's a town down there and so you'll have the tech divers on the boat with you and you know they got the double tanks and oh, all yeah. their yep. trash but it's funny the it seems like the more technical they get the more crappy their gear looks <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's the way it is too if you looked at my gear you'd go oh that sucks yeah yeah <laughs> Um, that so sucks. I got some replacement straps and a couple other things. Did you get the spring kind? No, for the mine are the real old school kind. Yeah, with they, ha- the they have the pin. they have the springs on them. The ones they have, that they they have, have those that because re- I, I have a pair of those and I replaced my my uh, my the metal buckle part. Yeah, yeah. You can replace that and it's with a pin thing and it you end up with the springs. Okay, well they had them there that type of replacement i just didn't think it would marry up to well you have to get the right times. ones gotcha yeah you have to get the right ones um the only thing that's wrong with mine is the actual strap itself the buckles and yeah. everything are fine so i figured uh, i did a, a river swim got, yesterday and using dude if you're not used to using those fins they your thighs will, hurt yes they will kill your ankles <laughs> hurt your thighs hurt your hips hurt they uh they will yep. kick the crap out of you. Yep. And you know what? Um, do you swim as a workout? Yes. Okay. Swim with those on. Oh, Put I do. your booties on and swim with those on. I do. Um, <laughs> when I was doing pool workouts, I I have this problem where I'm negatively buoyant. Mm-hmm. And so just swimming across the pool for me is difficult. Right. Is difficult at best. It is ha- freaking hard. I almost didn't uh, pass dive school because I, I couldn't stay afloat long enough. Well, that's why I didn't get. You know, dive I, you know how you have to. You know how you trade. You have to tread water for a long time. Yep. I had to tread water for like a half an hour, and I absolutely could not do it. I mean, I it was when I when we were done, everybody else was like throwing a ten, throwing a, a pink a, a beach ball around the pool and just kind of grab assing around and shit. I was barely keeping my face above water i was like just the t- just you could see was my face and my nose and yeah and my chin and my mouth and that was it and i was going like crazy underneath the water trying to keep me afloat and when he said get out of the pool it was i was ready You're I, I mean i'm just i'm but i i don't even put weights on with a quarter inch wetsuit dang i mean i just go i just yeah. sink yeah i mean that's how and when i went to uh i went to a rescue diver school and uh the instructor was you know, the guy that was towing me in was just having a bear of a time pulling me in. He gets me ashore, and we're not supposed to help at all. We're supposed to be totally dead yep. in the water. And he gets me ashore, and this guy's looking at me going, Mother, you yeah. are heavy. <laughs> and the instructor walked up, and he looked at me, and he looked at him, and he said, there's one son of a bitch in every class. <laughs> well, that that was a funny thing. When I went through dive school, the – um I got all the way up to master, not master diver, dive master. And uh, I completed everything except the swim. Like I did the 800 meter swim with fins, which was fine. You know, you had to do open water uh, swim. But then it was just like a hundred yard, you know, in just a pair of shorts. And I could not do it. I, I yeah. did not grow up swimming. Um, I could dive yeah. before I could swim kind of thing. And it wasn't until I joined the Marine Corps and actively pursued learning how to swim that I got, you know, obviously much better. If I'm on a boat, I have a I have some kind of life jacket on. Yeah. I have some kind of uh, inflatable vest on or something because if I go overboard, I'm I go to the bottom. No, I, there's no there's no freaking let's tread water for a half an hour till the boat comes back. There's no fucking way. Gotcha. I am on. I'll be on the bottom. So I I am. That's one thing I take real serious. And and I know 
and, and I don't know if, if some of our listeners have ever tried this, but just go in a pool, grab a lung full of air, and pull your knees up to your chest and see which direction you go. You know, if you float on the surface, you've probably got a pretty good chance of surviving in, a, in that kind of situation. But me, I grab my knees, hold my breath, and I sink. Mm. <laughs> I, I roll over and go down. You need to change your muscle to fat ratio. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think that's what it is. I have a, I have a, um, a real dense body. I guess I'm pretty dense. Well, I'm, upstairs. Too. I'm actually trying freaking... to find one of the, uh, you know, the Aqualung, like the assault swimmer vest. It's just like a deal yep. that goes over your head and a strap around your, yep. your back. Yep. Uh, yep. Just yep. for I have a couple swimming. of those. Do you? I need one of those. So let's we'll work a trade. I have out. a. Um, I have to find it. I have a. I have a. Um, I have a U.S. Divers black one. Mm-hmm. Goes over your head and it's uh, manual inflate. Yep. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. The ones yeah, most of them so. have a, a CO2 cartridge with a pull cord yes. and a yep, manual inflate yep, yep. as well. Well, that's the other one I have is I think is a Parkway, which dates me a little bit, and it's got a uh, it's got an air tank that's about I don't know six eight inches long and probably inch and a half in diameter, mm-hmm. and you open that's how you inflate that one. And it's got a mouthpiece, too. You can blow it up. That's actually, um, right before I got out of the Marine Corps, I was you, just You can actually still get those pool. brand new. You can actually get those still brand new. Uh, the, uh, the over-the-head the, aqua the, the, Yeah, they're called um, horse collar. Yeah. Horse, yeah. They're ho- horse collar BCs. I was actually going to take a job working at the uh, pool there on base. They had a, a survival incorporated. And literally what they did is taught Marines how to get out of a downed helicopter Using the yep. little air bottle, Dunk. Yep. The, that they the skate bottle thing. So you'd see them in yep. there, flipping them over in this chair, in the pool, and you know, trying to do all this stuff. But yeah, they offered me a job because I had, you know, the qualifications. But I ended up taking the one I'm at now, which I'm glad I did. That'd be cool. I'd be in the water all the time. You'd be in pretty good shape. Oh yeah. All right. So knives. Let's start talking. Yeah. What about are you carrying? What, what the hell are you carrying right now? I am carrying this bad boy. Let's see. Well, that's H and K. What is that? That's a. Um, that'd be a Benchmade. Benchmade. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. automatic. Not bad. No this, serrations. No serrations. Um, this one is. is that got the, does that one have the axis lock, or does that have that other roll lock? It's got a. It's got the. The lock is in actually in the pin. Let me see if I can show you to you. See how the pin. The the push okay, button part. Oh itself, yeah, yeah. When you push it. Okay, it so it's so it over. is a push button lock. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and it also has an extra lock in the back, so you can keep it right. from coming open. And, safety. Uh, yeah, safety. Uh, this yep. one is uh, made in the USA, and it's one fifty four chromoly, and obviously it is made by by Benchmade and I'm actually going to do an article on uh, on another Benchmade H&K that I have it's in the other room right now um, that's a nice that's actually a nice knife dude I got this thing for 80 bucks from a guy online and yeah I was stoked the other one uh, is also the Benchmade H&K line but it's a uh, made out of D2 yep. and I'm telling you man it's 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 got the uh, axis, axis lock Mm-hmm. Um, like they have on their Griptoons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, G10 on the handle. The handle feels sort of like a uh, an Emerson. You know, it's got that kind of feel to it. 
Yep. But a uh, nice spear point blade. I mean, it's just a fantastic knife. And it's, you know, made in the USA, which is getting harder and harder to find these days. Yep. Yep. I have a, I have my Benchmade 710. <laughs> it's getting kind of boring. I have, uh, for pocket knife, I have this little um, uh, Kissing Cranes knife. And I used actually used that blade right there the other day to take out the um, the breasts out of the five geese that we got. Yeah, I saw you killed some gooses. <laughs> yep, yep. And I'm making uh, I'm making um, some kind of lunch meat, I think, out of it. Um, I, you know, I, I I talk to a lot of people about the the about geese and how they're not edible. Mm -hmm. They're they're real tough and. So what I'm doing with these is I have, um, I put them in a cure, and I'm going to cure them for like five, six days in a salt cure. Right. And then I'm going to tie them up, cinch them up, and then I'm going to hang them in the smoker. And I'm going to smoke them at a relatively low temperature, like 120 degrees, mm -hmm. for like probably five, six hours. And then I'm going to vacuum bag them and set them in the refrigerator for probably a month. And they claim that that... Uh, equals like drying them. Uh, right now I'm experimenting with uh, uh, an eye of round like that. And so far I've been real happy with the way it's turned out, but um, it's just it's just now starting to get co cool enough that I can actually hang stuff outside. But And it's because it's the end of September, but October usually is the time when you can start doing that, where it gets to be 40 degrees. You know, you can hang stuff out and yeah. let it dry. <laughs> it doesn't get 40 um, degrees down here until like December. <laughs> yeah well and and i'm what i'm figuring on doing with these goose breasts is um taking them on a slicer and slicing them really really thin mm -hmm. and you and it'd be like um you know like like shaved ham or something i'm thinking that it would be really good with cheese and crackers yeah so i'm pretty pretty geeked about that idea i'm wondering if uh what the stock like if you just boiled some of them what the uh, well, stock would be you know, like one of the guys I was hunting with, we were talking about this. I said, you know, back in the day, that was a staple. I mean, back in the you know turn the turn of the century and before, you know, when the when people first came to this country, that was the bird that they ate all the time. Oh yeah, because they were so readily available, and they you know they're relatively easy to get, and they you can trap them. No, you you, <laughs> you see it in in uh, literature from that time yep, period. Yeah. Yep, and and they ate everything. You know, and he said, well, yeah, but you know what? They were a lot more hungry back then. <laughs> and I think there's a lot to be said about that. This is true. You know, you if you're hungry, you'll eat a lot of shit that you wouldn't eat normally. <laughs> hey, so did, I was, I, well, I ate coyote before, so what does that tell you? Well, I told you what my buddy <laughs> said, didn't I? No. He ate one. He said it was awful. Yeah, I have he said too. It was the it was the worst piece of shit that he ever ate in his life. It's, is it's, that same? You concur, it, huh? Yeah, well, I mean... I shot mine, and uh, <laughs> we were out. We were out hunting, you know, doing our thing. We were hog hunting at the time, or deer hunting, or all. I think if it was more of it's if it's brown, it's down. And uh, so I killed this coyote and uh, skinned it out and everything. And I said, you know, we had a fire going. I was like, I wonder what the back straps off a coyote would taste like. So I cut them off, you know, right there, and. Uh, you know, you might, can as just, well, might as well have pinched a loaf and just like you know what I mean. Fire. You know, you know how you uh, take a backstrap and you you just cut slices into it. Oh yeah. And uh, I don't remember. I made. A, I'm sure I had hot sauce. I'm, I always keep some Texas Pete or Louisiana with me. 
And I just basically threw it right on the grill on top of the fire. And once it looked done, I mean, it was tough. It was edible. I, I mean, would it be my well, favorite? See, the one thing? up here, what my buddy said, he he said it was the it was the worst. You know, and I've had dog before, so I mean, it's not. And he said, you know what? It didn't taste like that. He said it tasted awful. He said it's they eat nothing but dead animals yeah, up here. It didn't taste like General Sos. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, and and so he he was, uh, um, he said I'd, he'd never do that again, and he's eaten skunk and stuff before. No, and, I've never eaten possum. Um, I've eaten raccoon as of recent. Um, it wasn't bad. Uh, eating goat. Poss- well, you know what that is, possum. Yeah, they say that's um, means poor hunter in Indian yeah. native tongue. <laughs> uh, Armadillo is a possum on a half shoe. Possum on a half shell, yep. But check this They have out. leprosy, dude. They do. Um, the last thing, because I've killed quite a few of them, the last thing I saw was that all the leprosy in them was east of the Mississippi, or west of the Mississippi. Oh, but okay. I don't, uh, I don't eat them. So don't dude, I was, them. I've been west of Mississippi. I saw them. They're grizzly looking things. I wouldn't eat one. Have you seen one of these before? That's a Emerson. Nope. Ha, ha, I got you. That's not an Emerson. What is that? That is a CRKT James Williams Otanashi Kin. Otanashi oh. means hidden. And you Ken sure that doesn't sword. have a... That's got that little disc on the top. Isn't that a Emerson thing? Well, apparently if you make it a little bit oval, it's not an Emerson thing anymore. I don't know. Oh, I didn't see it being oval. Okay. And it's got an extra locking bar. Yep. So. It is yeah. a frame lock. No, I've not seen that. I'll have to get that one of those. It's a dude. This thing is a, a very sharp, pointy knife. And if you're familiar with uh, James Williams stuff, he always does the uh, the Eido, the drawing, cutting, sword technique stuff yep, at a yep. blade show. And uh, since I'm all into that stuff now, and uh, doing do you, that kind of do training, you have Instagram? Yes, yes, I do. Instagram a picture of that. Okay. I feel, and this one's had a little bit of work done on it. Uh, my buddy did a little cosmetic work to it. But um, I mean, it's a it's a heck of a pointy blade, that's for sure. Yeah, if you can, if you can, uh, um, if you can Instagram that, that'd be great, and share that on. Uh, or I think I, I would get that. I'll 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 share that on on uh, knife forums or knife journal. Sorry. Here. I'll tell that you out. what. I'm just gonna do this. I'm just gonna send it to you, and you put it on yours. Okay, that'll work. But um, that'll work. And take a picture of that HK too, and send that okay. to me. I'll do it. Um, I'll save that for later. Yeah, that's a, a um, that's a nice looking knife. That's a damn nice looking knife. Well, the thing about it is too is depending on the grip how you get it, the amount of length. And mm-hmm. that's that's with that right there in the palm of my hand. You're getting you're getting some Yeah, some, you could shove that reach. one right through somebody if you wanted. Yeah, you're you're definitely getting some reach on that. And this yeah. one was what is, what is uh uh that clip reverses? Goes on both sides? Uh the clip, yes, because it's mounted on the end. Uh-huh. You can flip it around yep. to that side, but you can't put it up top. Right, right. And uh, the, so it's a tip-up carry. Mm-hmm. 
but you can put it and when the tip up carry I always make sure that this is going to the outer edge of my pocket so when it slides right. in it's resting right there and it's not going to come open because yeah, I've done it the other way the and I've key. had those things slide out a little bit well, you, you reach in you. you reach in and, and cut yourself oh yeah oh yeah Um, what else you got going on? You, you're, um, you had any good training lately? Um, just at work, you know, we're doing, just at work. we got our calls coming up and stuff, but I haven't been, uh, I've kind of had my head down and, uh, doing a lot of stuff here at the house as far as, uh, family maintenance, home maintenance and, uh, going to work, man. The, oh, that's good. That's that's not a bad thing. I'm trying to get ready for winter. I'm been cutting wood, and this seems like it's summer went away too fast. It the, the years are going by too quick. That's that's the problem. Yep. And they sped yep. up the timeline yep, exactly. or something. And we're supposed to be cold this winter. We're colder than last winter, is my understanding. What's October like for you guys? Because I got that um, prepper Gorgeous. conference. I got that prepper conference in. October in Wisconsin. It's gorgeous. And I think it might just be across the water from you. So Yep. What, what, what city? Shoot, I'd have to look it up. I don't remember. It's not a big... Yeah, it's <laughs> it's gorgeous up here. You need to come up here. I want to. Those trees behind you, I can see through your video. Those big pines? That's my backyard. Are, those are nice that's, looking. What are those trees That's just there? That's just a uh, red pine. Okay. That's just one little tree. We have wilderness. I have wilderness behind me. As far as you can go. Nice. I mean, you, you literally could start walking here and end up in Lake Michigan. Oh, speaking of wilderness, um, the other day I'm on a couple of trade forums, or not forums, but uh, groups on Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, Bushcraft Trader, stuff like that. And some guy had a set of, their set of snowshoes, and I can't remember the name of them, but I didn't realize that they were ratings as far as weight. Because oh, the ones yeah. we used in the Marine Corps were uh, the big old magnesium ones. Right, and right. And they look like big tennis rackets, you know. Those things yep. look fun. <laughs> yep. And, uh, well, they're they're rated by, by weight. And uh, <clears throat> a lot of times, the only way you're going to, depending on the style that you get. Like, like I run um, 10 by 56, 10 by 56 or 10 by 58s. But... There's different styles of 10 by 58s. The ones I use are like the nine, they're called 1940 something military ones, 1944 military ones. And then that's, and they're made then by, that's probably they're the made same by, ones we're using. No, no, no. These are wood. Mine are oh, wood, wood and leather. Wow. Yeah, mine are wood and leather. Um, uh, they're, um, but the difference is they're made for, some, for a soldier carrying a pack. Right. So they're. So they may be rated for for two hundred pounds, gotcha. and that becomes the issue because most uh, for for the kind of snow that we get up here, um, most snowshoes aren't big enough for the people trying to wear them, mm -hmm. and they still sink down quite a ways. Um, mine are like I said, mine are ten by you can get ten by sixties Alaskans, uh, but a lot of those have even though they're sixty inches long, they have a they have a fairly long tail, and. Um, CTU calling on tail, so you don't. No, that's my uh, my youngest boy. Um, they have a fairly long tail, so you don't have the square inches that that cover 
you know enough ground. Right. Mine have a very short tail, so so mine have uh, they're they're fifty eight inches long, but there's only like a six inch tail. Gotcha. You get more so surface area. Mostly all yeah. It's it's mostly all surface area, so it works really well for that. Um, I, I don't like the little tin ones that people use. You, you see them, uh, they're, they have like a plastic web bed, yeah. and uh, they're aluminum frames, yeah. and they're noisy in the woods, and um, I'm not a big fan of those. I'd rather have a little bit longer wooden wooden guys. Um, but now, that, that's, what, that's what works for me. But At what point would you get to where it would be better to wear skis than the snowshoes? Just um, pains on never. the snowpack. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Don't like skis? If it's if it's packed down, it's you can cover a lot of ground on skis. But if you're in any kind of s- s- big fluffy like the snow that we had last year mm-hmm. was miserable, even for my big snowshoes. Oh wow! That's how fluffy it was. If you got off snowshoes, you you were you were wading in crotch deep snow, and you weren't even touching the ground. You weren't even touching the the the. The actual ground. That's insane. And this, and the <laughs> snow that was underneath you wasn't really packed. You couldn't. It was awful. Right. <laughs> it was, it was the worst kind of snow that I've seen in a long time. I ran my, I could the dogs couldn't even get away from the house. That's how bad it was. You let the dogs out and they would just kind of like, oh, and then take a shit on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, enough of that. And that and and that I I had to um, I went and got my I got a Tundra snowmobile that's got a real long track on it. And it's made for that kind of snow. And, of course, I did it at night and rode it around the house. And I almost ran into a tree because, you know, how dark it gets. It gets dark here early in the wintertime. And the, the headlight and the snowmobile sunk down to the ground. And all this fluffy snow was coming over the top of the hood, over the windshield, and in my lap. Completely covered the snowmobile up. Covered up the headlight and everything. And I couldn't see anything, so I had to come back in the house, get my headlight, and stand up on my knees on the seat just to see where I was going until I could get a pack packed down enough around the house to walk around. And that and that part that I packed down stayed packed down until the end of May. Wow. It was, it was my birthday. I still had packed snow in the back in those trails. See, I would like to live somewhere that I could go, you know, two hours away and be in the mountains and there'd be snow there through all out the winter. Um, for us, you've got to drive at least four or five hours to get somewhere that has a, a ski resort. You know, I have to, I have to walk about eight seconds. Yeah. <laughs> eight months out of the year, I have to walk about eight seconds. And I'm in snow. No, we, last year was exceptionally cold. They say this year is going to be exceptionally cold too. I don't think we're going to have as much snow because I think the lakes will freeze over a lot faster because the water never really did warm up. Hmm. Uh, it's not it's not very warm right now. And uh, they're claiming that it's going to be another very cold winter. So my guess is the the, the snow won't be as much because uh, we had warm lakes last year and it got really cold and it just the it just started that that snow machine started going and it never stopped. Right. Well, you know we had our famous uh, couple of Atlanta ice storms. We had a big ice storm <laughs> here at the house and people laugh about it, um, but when you get ice. Instead of snow and everything, the trees all just start ripping apart. It, you know, I don't know of anybody it's, it's that can devast- drive good on ice. It's devastating. Yeah, it's devastating. Um, several you know, of my friends um, out in Atlanta had to, you know, either stay in their cars or walk home. And I got all kind of people asking me after that, "What do I do to, you know, survive?" And what should I have? You in know my what? I, what Jimmy did. 
my oldest boy is down that way, and he spent eight hours coming home one night, one day with the two kids, or he had to go get the two kids and his wife. And so he loaded up his car, 10 gallons of gas, munchies, water, blankets, snow shovel, or shovel, I guess he didn't have a snow shovel, shovel, and a couple bags of kitty litter. Mm -hmm. And he was literally driving cars off the side of the highway for people, just so he could get through. (laughs) (laughs) He said he'd never seen anything like it. He said he'd walk up to a car, and he said there'd be a lady in the car, right in the center of the road, talking on her cell phone, and the car was out of gas. And she was just stuck there. Well, people don't, opened, you know, people don't yeah. know what to do. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it amazes me. And that's what he was saying. He said, it amazes me how little people know what to do. They, they just are, were totally, totally dumbfounded. No, you're not going out that door. I totally s- dumbfounded. I saw, I think it was season four of, uh, what's that guy's name? Survivor man. Les Stroud did yep. a thing in, you know, car stranded in Norway or something and, uh, staying in the vehicle and it, and the good thing about it, he actually uh, tore the seats up and everything and made mucklucks and that kind of deal. But every survival show that I've seen that has a vehicle, you know, they'll they'll take stuff from it. But most of the time they do the whole battery and jumper cables and gas and fire. And I always wonder, how come you don't use a cigarette lighter? Because <laughs> it, it doesn't make for good TV. Yeah, Doesn't instead of going through TV. all that stuff and possibly blowing yourself up, there's a thing called a cigarette lighter, and it'll make yeah. fire. Yeah. As long as if you got enough juice in that battery, you can. You can I'm get trying to think if I even one. have a. I don't think I even have. I have the sockets. I don't think I have a lighter in my truck in my Jeep. You should. Put I don't think one I in actually there. have that little cigar lighter thing that you yeah. actually push in. To, I but I do have the sockets. I do have the the plugs for one. You should get but one. I don't, save your but life I don't think I have it. one. Especially if you keep a couple cigars in there, you just light a cigar and then, yeah, there you go. Keep yourself warm with that. Yeah, there you go. Okay, that's <laughs> what I use to carry fire from one fire to the next. Light a cigar. I'm getting ready to do my trek now. Yeah. Light a cigar. Okay, and put that fire out and go start another fire. Hopefully, you get to the next spot before the cigar goes out. Um, I posted yeah. something on my. Uh, I've got a little group on Facebook or page or whatever you want to call it, and. Uh, these little tins, these survival tins, we've all played with them before, but what I can't figure out is guys will put like little knives and, and this, that, and the other in them. And I'm like, what are you possibly going to do with that little knife that you can't do with the fixed blade that's on your belt or the folder that's in your pocket or the fixed blade that's in your pocket? I don't understand the concept of trying to cram everything into such a small container that you really end up with nothing. I mean, if you want to make a kit that size, an Altoids kit should be a fire kit. That's one Altoids mm-hmm. kit. Another Altoids kit is a fishing kit. That's you break it down, but you got more than one pocket. Why are we restricted to trying to cram everything that we think may be of use to us? Um, and I don't know anywhere where you can catch fish with three hooks. One of the one of the videos that Kyle and I were talking about doing was uh, was an Altoid tin video. Mm-hmm. Where you take like even one of the prepackaged Altoid tin survival kits and uh, and work with it 
and that's it. They just go out and spend a couple, three days or two days or whatever. You know, like a typical survival situation where you would hunker down and, you know, try to, you know, be found right in right. 36 hours or whatever. Well, and uh, there's important elements, and one of the most important elements that are usually missing from those is shelter. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't fit anything worth a crap as far as shelter in that tin. Now, military... Okay, they. Uh, I think the seals started using that Sokoa tin, the one that I showed you. Mm-hmm. When you've got a poncho or a tarp already in your kit, you've got gloves already in your kit, you've got five feet to cord in your kit, you've got a fixed blade knife in your kit, you've got strobes, you've got radios, you got everything else. Re- yeah, you don't need much. You got canteens, canteen covers, or you know, canteen cups. Right. What else are you going to put in there? Oh well, let's throw some fish hooks and a you know. A little bit of fire starter in this tin, and that's your survival kit. You know, well, pretty escape much that's what kits it is. are even one different. of those one yeah. of those hand saws. Yeah, and most of you those know. are crap. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a actually have a British SAS one that's not. You told me about that. I want to see that one day. I've always used yeah, the uh, the ones that's like a chainsaw blade. Yeah, this this one that I have is not. Uh, I don't even think you can buy them. I've never seen one like it anywhere else. It's got thumb screws for the wire. There was, uh, in the old Marine Corps survival kits, they had some similar to that. You actually had a little, like a wing nut screw that yep. put the handle yep. onto the onto the wire itself. I think you yep. can find them. I just haven't bought any. I, I've never seen one. I've never seen one. But doesn't mean that they're not there. Um, so yesterday morning, power goes out at... Uh, Zero six, right when my wife's getting ready to go to work. And, of course, I don't have a flashlight right next to my bed. Why? And it's dark at that time. Well, because I don't know why. It's because <laughs> it's my house. And I know my house pretty well, but uh, my my little flashlight was in my, in my pants, so I go grab that little flashlight, and then I grab my headlamp, and then I get get rolling, you know. And, and uh, I said, uh, Kath, what do you want me to do? What do you need? And she says, uh, coffee. Okay. So I go root out my little kit, my little stove kit, throw it on the, t- <laughs> on the table, start boiling water for coffee. And, uh, got that all, got her some coffees to, you know, so she'd go to work and she was able to clean up with the water that we had. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was the start of a good day. You know, it's, it was the start of a good day, but it, it makes you think. We, when that shit happens, it's like okay, it's like a little wake up call. You know, you need to really pay attention because this shit happens when you're not expecting it. Interesting story. The uh, we had power go out for a couple, about a week or so during that ice storm, and mm-hmm. I knew the ice storm was coming. And uh, and we we have a. I, I remember that. At work, we have to be there. Somebody has to be there. There is no such thing as someone not being there. So if somebody doesn't show up, you're going to stay. And mm-hmm. uh, I knew it was coming, and my wife asked me um, very, very convincingly to, to not go into work. And I told her, I said, look, baby, I can't. This is my duty. I've got to do it. And uh, so I went into work, and I had prepped the uh, Coleman stove. I had prepped everything that I thought I could to make sure everything was comfortable because I knew the power was going to go out. 
And uh, so I left, and sure enough, I ended up stuck at work for about three days. Well, three 12-hour shifts, stuck at work. And uh, she was at home, and, and we had a lot of pine trees around our house, kind of like yours. And they were they were snapping off left and right. I mean, it was it was a pretty rough experience for her. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't get one of the stoves to work. She got the jet boil to work, but there's a component on it where you just boil water, mm-hmm. and then you can take that off and then cook in it. Well, mm-hmm. she didn't know that. I didn't know that that there was a, another piece that we needed there to just, you know, cook in the pot. And so she was end up cooking in our fireplace, which works. <laughs> you know, we've got a fireplace, thankfully. Well, especially when uh, when the ice storm just knocked down half the yard. Yeah, yeah and I have firewood <laughs> and, and everything. I was giving firewood away to the neighbors, the elderly people and all that stuff. But what was funny about that is with all the stress that was going on, she completely forgot about the Coleman stove that was a two-burner you know, Coleman stove, plenty of fuel sitting right there in the spare bedroom and just, yep. you know, have all this, all the camping, what. all the stuff we do. It's, it's easy when stress is involved and stress is induced people, yep. you know, lose their head. It's hard. They it's lose hard not their to. heads. Yep. Yep. And, and that's a, uh, that becomes the difference between making good decisions and bad decisions. It's like we were talking earlier about, the about a, a, a flash mob. I think, uh, Kyle asked a question of you on Facebook. Yeah, I don't know if read, you saw I it. I did read my responses. <laughs> Tell me what you think. I didn't. Well, you know what we were we were laughing about it was because uh, we had just talked about that a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, and I said I can't understand how anybody gets yanked out of a car. I said it, you know it's it's just not going to ever happen because I would run over somebody. Right. Well, and I was telling him on there, it's it's usually the the attacks that come from the side, not in front, that get you. Because even if you're facing the people in front of you and you're going to run them over, when that brick or baseball bat or whatever comes through your driver's side windshield or your driver's side window and hits you in the head, people, I mean, that's a lot to deal with all of a sudden. Yeah, I drive a Jeep. Big fat tires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I, well, I told him I said reverse. I'd be just bouncing. Reverse is always a good option if you can do it. You know, reverse out of the situation, turn around and go. Or if you've got yep. a mob of people, you always want to try to work ninety degrees to the left or to the right because they're like a flow, a flood of people, a river, and you want to get to the shore. So you want to get off. Don't try to go against it or right. go, you know, run away from it. Go ninety degrees and usually unless unless you got a six by six, a well, deuce and a half. Yeah, they've and uh, fucking run them they've, over. They've, they've well, here's the thing though. You got five hundred people. That's they get a, slippery. They get slippery. That's a lot of people run over. <laughs> that's why you got four wheel drive. That's that's why I have a gas mask and party four, four, favors. Four four wheel drive and lockers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! Did he? Did he? Uh, I'm not. I'm not seeing if he uh, put me on there. So I'm not seeing their, your responses to that. I don't know. Maybe he wanted me to say it on here because he says something about you're going to be on the podcast. So uh, I essentially said that um, you know a vehicle will usually beat a, a human being, but if you put a lot of human beings in front of it, then uh, there's always a chance you may stop it. And I quoted uh, Alan Quarterman. We talked about shooting. You ever see the old King Solomon Mines? It was actually Richard Chamberlain 
that played in those movies back in the day. Sharon Stone and Richard Chamberlain. Yeah. King yep, Solomon's yep, yep. Mines. And a uh, real, real cool, kind of Indiana Jones type of a dude. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he pulls out his gun, and there's you know a bunch of uh, natives going to attack him. He's like, I think I'm going to run out of bullets before they run out of spears. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So yep. Uh, that's always it. That's always think a of that good. Uh, you start shooting. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's always a good uh, good indicator that you got problems. You know, I'm just looking at my making sure my thing's still cooking along, and it's just cooking along just fine. Oh, you still recording? That should be. Oh, did I tell you the? Uh, uh, I don't, I don't really say an argument. Yeah, it's still going. Okay. Uh, this guy, uh, a guy posted a quote from Kephart out of his book about carrying a hatchet and how a woodsman should uh, carry a hatchet. And there's there's nothing that a there's no knife that's been created that'll do the job of a good tomahawk and da 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 da. And, which is you know just fine, makes good sense, especially for his time period. And this guy gets on there and starts talking about, well, I don't know who Kephart is, and just from reading what he said right here, he doesn't know squat about tomahawks or hatchets. And I guess the guy <laughs> thought he was just some dude like that's alive today talking about. And uh, it was amazing. This guy went on about how tomahawks are based off Native American stone axes and... Um, this oh, that I know exactly. Um, <laughs> this this that and the other on about the difference between a tomahawk and a hatchet. And I said, finally, I was like, look, if you read what he's saying here, he is using the term tomahawk and hatchet, um, to to mean either one or to mean the yeah. same thing. Well, they were actually pretty synonymous of that time. Well, there's a there's a picture online you can find it, and it's a gloss glossature glossiker. Coal cluster. Those guys. Uh, yeah, they're, coal cluster. They call it, you know, their their tomahawk or their hawk, and it, it is literally a hatchet. Yeah. But he's yeah. saying the difference between that hatchet and one you would buy at the hardware store, and if you look at what was prevalent during that time period, was the big, like, carpenter's hatchets with the, you know, hammerhead on one end. And, yep. Uh, yep. So, obviously, he knew what he was talking about. We know that. But it amazes me, people that just start running their mouth and... They, they don't yep. even know what they're arguing or why yep. they're arguing it. Yep. Yeah, that's and that's real common. I mean, I, I sometimes it makes me wonder how pretty much how we got a president that we got, I think. <laughs> and, you know, you got people that don't even have a clue what's going on and they vote. Yeah. And because this guy is nice looking or this guy is, you know, got nice clothes or or uh, you know, he looks like oh, Excuse me one second. I'm going to go yell at my dog. Okay, I'm back. All right. One of the one of the things that I notice about those kinds of arguments, and it's the internet is full of people that are one dimensional. They only know what they're they they judge everybody else by their limited knowledge, and it always amazes me when I see that because those are the kind of arguments that come from them. Is that is you know, they think that they're very worldly and they're very bright and they've only been in one spot. They've only used one tool. They've only seen one thing. And like I said, they're just very one dimensional. Um, and it's unfortunate that a lot of magazines also print articles by people that are very one dimensional. Right. Uh, I was just reading this article about, uh, I actually like this magazine. Oh yeah, love that magazine. 
Yep. And there was a recent article in here that this guy wrote, and I kind of skimmed through it. And the, and the part of my problem with reading some of this stuff is the minute I get something that in it that's some kind of stupid statement, mm-hmm. I, I, I just totally lose it and I can't read the rest of it because I think the guy that wrote it is an idiot and <laughs> and you know and I, I don't want any I don't want to hear any more about it right and he's talking about um, a particular brand of knife and and it's the articles called uh, the Kepart a blade for wild places and he's talking about you know Horace Kepart and what his knife design was and what some of the people that were uh, that could you could get a Kephart by you know a couple different guys. Then he talks about Joe Flowers um, bringing back the from Condor, you know, and and how he's the one that brought back the resurgence of the of this knife. And okay, <laughs> and, I, and I like Joe, but yeah. you know that that. Um, that knife that Condor put out was only like probably five years after Bark River made, you know, a, a thousand of them or two thousand of them and put them out there and 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 you know. But this guy is writing this article and you read it and you think that he's he's must have some kind of knowledge of, right. of this industry, and he doesn't. Well, and that's that's the thing. There you could go um, and pretty much name your your guy as far as in the survival world and there'll be somebody that they follow somebody that they like i remember a few years ago uh nesmuk was the big thing and everybody all of a sudden was using canvas tarps and they were um oh, yeah. you know getting everybody wanted a nesmuk knife and the thing about it is is at that time period those guys had limited knives to choose from and they may have gotten something made that was a little more to their liking for their uh, how big they were, you know, things like that. Nesmuk was a very small guy. Yeah. Um, well, listen, all of those guys during that time were very small guys. Uh, if you look at the knife that's made in 1900, the freaking handles are teeny. Oh I mean, yeah, I have some. I have some vintage 1930s um, guns, for example, mm-hmm. and they're small. Yep. Stocks are small. The Stocks are small. Short length. I have narrow. a 1929 Model A pickup truck. My dad couldn't fit behind the wheel. I barely fit behind the wheel. Yeah, people were smaller you back know? then. People were considerably smaller less, back then. Less protein. <laughs> and the other, the other thing, more yeah, goose. They're yeah. eating goose. Um, the other thing, that, you know, and I was just thinking about this today. We were talking about knives. Um, some of the knives that you see today, uh, I don't remember who, who was it who was who gave me a sent me an email about something, and they were talking about the thick blades that that are that are on today. Mm-hmm. And and I stand by the 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 whole thing about most people that don't have a clue. What is that? Most people that don't have a clue about. Uh, I can't see it. Your camera's not focusing on that. The smart knives. No, okay. I, yeah, see, I can't. It's totally, totally. Uh, yeah, but oh you've yeah, seen, now I see you've what seen that the is. blade before. And, yeah, and we won't talk that. about the blade, but yeah, notice but the different you, handle. Yep, yep. Oh, that's cool. But it's it's relatively uh, thick and sturdy. That's cool. Chunk. I like that. But you know what? We, what we were talking about was how uh, knives 
were made for slicing things up. Hatchets were made for chopping things. Hatchets and axes and saws were made for, for parting material. Right. Lar- large amounts of material. Knives were made to part meat. Mm-hmm. Or, or do small work on wood. And somehow or another, over the years, we've gotten away from, from that, and, and, and people have created a, a, a solution for a problem that doesn't exist. The- and, and it's like, okay, you're going to... And this, is, this goes back to the... And I, and I like big knives. I don't want people to get the wrong idea here. I like big knives. It's, it's just that the thought that this big knife is going to solve all of the freaking problems that you have... They're so wrong. Well, yeah. They all, it's it's an imaginary it's an imaginary world that they go into that they think that they can work with this knife and it's going to solve all their problems. What happens? It doesn't do anything real well. No. What what happened <laughs> um, when you know Randall was making their their model 18s and stuff back in the day when people realized okay the down pilots and that scenarios. Even in World War II, they had stuff like the case machete. They had area and theater-specific survival kits to match that right. terrain. If you've got exactly. a survival kit for the Arctic, you're going to have a snow shovel and an ice saw and right. that kind of stuff. Right. When we started trying to downscale everything, especially in the new planes and stuff, uh, with the, the survival knife, the pilot survival knife, look at those things. They were small you know, the actual Camillus little pilot survival yeah. knife. But you know what those were for? You know what the saw blade on that is for? People don't Cut, even realize Cutting the plexiglass s- of your, your, or the fuselage no, of no, your freaking no, plane. No, 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 no. It was for cutting the aluminum. It was yeah, for pulling aluminum. the aluminum and tearing it. It was to jab the knife in yeah. and grab the aluminum and pull back. That was what the point of that was. And people think it was to saw, oh, it's to saw notches no. and freaking traps. No, it's not. You're an idiot. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think they taught those guys traps. No, no. <laughs> No, because they were they were supposed to be trying to get away. Yeah, they called it. They weren't they weren't setting up housekeep. No, they taught them how to use a survival radio signal and hide in the bushes. Um, exactly, they were they were trying to get away. They did not want to be caught. But and that was what the that was what the um, you know and and I tell you I I think the jet pilot survival knife is one of the sexiest blades around because it's a marbles ideal knife that's just thicker did i ever tell you and i pass on this and i wish i had bought it there was a guy i found atlanta in a gun shop i always go to they got a lot of nice old guns there um but it was a custom made pilot survival knife and it had um it had a cutout uh groove at the top of it almost like what we call a blood groove it didn't have Mm -hmm. the big um I'm lost for words right now. What's that freaking thing? Uh, like the Marvel's Ideal has the big hollowed oh, fuller? fuller. Yes, 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 fuller. Uh, this one actually had a milled out fuller up at the top up here like this. You can mm-hmm. see all the way through it. But the whole mm-hmm. the rest of the knife was just a really well done pilot survival knife. And I like it. I'm, you know, I think... Uh, I think the cutting geometry is not as great on the most of the ones you get nowadays, but well, and that's that's the thing is like you look at you look at guys like Webster Marble, mm-hmm. okay, he went he trudged through northern Michigan with a little notebook in in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, section by section by section by section with a horse, an axe, a forty four forty, and a handgun. 
and a um, a canvas uh, tent and all of his cook gear and he walked and he walked from section to section to section and he marked down trees and marked down what was in each section what native burial ground was there what was there and he lived there for months lived out in the woods for months with with you know 25 pounds of flour or whatever that's my son calling for me um okay. and you i noticed that back in the day uh the items were less but they were bigger we try to but, micro but, you know, size everything nowadays to fit into you know a space this big and they didn't have they didn't try to do that they're like okay i need a canvas tent if it weighs 10 pounds it weighs 10 pounds but it's going to do the job and that's what i got to carry but but think about this they, they had a pack he had a pack horse and he was walking yeah you know, so he carried like 25 pounds of flour mm -hmm. and whatever he could shoot and eat on the way or fish on the way. Yeah. You know, if he ran across a creek that he thought he could catch some fish, then he would do that. Uh, you know, the, the thought that the thought that um, that he needed a freaking thick knife like a, 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 a Bousset right. or something like that to chop his way through the forest, um, he didn't. No, you know he had a cru a cruiser's axe, which is a double little short handled double bitted axe, and he had a marble's ideal knife that looked like an like and and they were not thick; they were they were fairly thin. Well, if you've got you know? an axe to do stuff with, you, your knife should be thin. I don't I mm -hmm. don't see the need in carrying a a, a thick knife if you're going to have an axe as well. Um, you could get listen, by in a lot of cases. We, we took I took the breasts out of a goose yesterday or the day before yesterday with a pocket knife. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. If you'd have had any if you'd have had any big knife, you'd have freaking never made it. Yeah. When I first started and even the even the blade I even the blade I used is small. That's what is that, a trapper? Yeah. I just got this. What's the small the yeah, even the blade that thing that I have, that, that kissing crane knife that I have, right. even the blade on that that little, that little, uh, I guess it's a spay blade. I guess they call it. Mm -hmm. Shit, it, it isn't an inch and a half long. Most, you know, yeah, most and, of the guys and, I deer hunted with, um, not when I was a kid. My dad always carried an old timer pocket knife. I grew up with a pocket knife. I we didn't call it an EDC, but my dad used to make sure I had, you know, where's your pocket knife at? Where's your phenol clippers? Where's your yeah. um, bandana? You yeah, exactly all that stuff. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was ingrained in me since I was, you know, five or six years old yep. to do all that. Um, but when I started hunting as an adult, I hunted in a, uh, a, a group of guys and we'd, we'd hunt the same place all the time as an old farm. And uh, I like cutting up deer. So if anybody killed anything, um, usually I'd be back at the, back at the old farmhouse there cutting it up. And those guys are pulling out their little old timers and stuff and they would do a good job, but. They got dull quick, and I had some better quality knives, and they were amazed at how many deer I could process with a quality knife, you know, uh, something of the $200, $300 range. It was impressive to them, but, you know, they're still going to keep cutting away with their, their old timers and stuff. Yeah, I spent a lot of time cutting and hanging deer, shooting and hanging deer, skinning them out, and... Uh, for a long time, I was using a um, a Marbles Ideal from the 30s, and when we finally took a Rockwell test on it, it was only like 
like Rockwell 41 nice. <laughs> or something like that. It was soft. It was soft as hell. And uh, and we, uh, um, it was just kind of comical that we had that uh, that we had that deal like that. That it, and and I and it still would. You could make that knife sharp, really, really sharp, but you just could not. Uh, it wouldn't hold an edge very long. And I think most that people was have gotten caught up in the the buying and owning of gear. I see a lot of people trading. I like trading stuff, but. Most of the stuff I got now is either mine or somebody, you know, gave it to me or I have some sentimental attachment. I really don't have much to trade. Um, and I think I told Kyle or maybe you this idea about doing a, a not a class, but doing a an outing where you had to swap your gear with the guy next <laughs> to you and use whatever that guy had. Whether you liked it or not, you could probably get through that weekend um, as long as, you know, okay. nobody's trying to play dude, you're screwed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really, you suck. Yeah, you could, you could probably make it through, um, whatever it was with, you know, some basic gear. And, and to me, it's more fun. I would almost have more fun, uh, just randomly picking 10 or 15 items that first thing I came to in my, in my storage closet and just go out in the woods with them because i'm well, sure see, i can make them work uh, that's a lot of the reason why i bring so much shit all the time is because i go in my storage closet and i go oh i could bring this and i could bring that or i could bring this yeah. and this and this it, and this it, i can bring it, this it too ends up being it ends up being you know let me play with all my toys versus yeah getting into the skills you know if i know i'm going to be going out then i think of every possible thing you know maybe the apocalypse happens while i'm out and so i'll need you know an M1A yeah. and 5,000 rounds of ammo. And it's just, I want to be able to say, you know what? I'm going to grab my 30-30 and a, maybe a 22 pistol and go hunt. And that's it, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, of course I'll have my survival stuff. But just kind of the basics. And I think that's what some people were going for when all this bushcraft stuff started taking off. People were trying to get back to basics. And... You know, when money gets involved I, in people, hey, there's an app for that. Hey, there's a there's a leather pouch for that, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I like leather I, pouches. I just You know what I mean? You can you, your your waist is only big enough for so many of them. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a uh um that becomes an issue. That definitely becomes an issue with stuff having too much stuff all the time and like I said, I uh I don't mind um, having a lot of stuff and using a lot of stuff because I do I do use all my stuff or you know at any given time and in fact when the, when all the guys were were here from Glib mm -hmm. they were kind of chuckling at my knives because I, you know I've got boxes here boxes there box you know crates here of them and right and and one of the guys I don't remember who said it but one of the guys said you know. What's kind of funny is all of these knives are all fucked up. They're all they all have been used. You can't even have like a new in box sale because you don't have anything new in no, the box. No, it's all they're, they're all it's used. all used. It's all used. It's all used, and it's and it's kind of comical. We get a, they get a kick out of that. I thought that was funny, but yeah, the uh, uh, I just Instagrammed a couple pictures and um, I did the knife that you, that you sent me and the one that I shot the geese with. Or or not shot the geese, but I uh, skinned out the geese with. Um, 
but once again that's a we didn't even get into any of the the ranting that we were doing talking about earlier but that's probably okay too yeah there's a <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. I always get mad when I hear you guys say that, you and Kyle say it, because I'm like, what are you talking about? I want to know. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> See, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. I got I to gotta tease Kyle about, uh, he made mention of something about my scrambled eggs, make me making scrambled eggs when we were at Glib. Right. And, and I had made breakfast for him one time here before, and and uh, I didn't realize that he liked scrambled eggs that much that he would actually try to <laughs> sneak out my my recipe. Your, your <laughs> Just kind of cra- caught me off guard, caught me kind of funny. But well, um, since I'm a guest, um, in closing, and this is probably going to start a whole new thing, uh, people will try to make themselves out to be more than what they are to gain attention. But in some cases, other people will try to make you out to be more than what you are in order to sell tickets to a conference or whatever it may well, you know, be. And, and you know what's funny about the, some of that? Sometimes the, the people that are actually doing the promotions, they don't really know what this person did. No. Or didn't do. No. You know, a lot of times I've, they just kind of, they, they kind of guess. I've had to squash that stuff, man. There's uh, people, you know, you're going to be appearing on a, on, a, on a podcast or you're going to be appearing at this or that or the other. And they want to make you seem, and I've always been very, uh, I don't downplay, but I'm just very, you know, hey, this is this is me, and that's it. And they're like, yeah, well, no, you got make, nothing it, make else. it sound better. You're way better than this, and you're you're you know you're downplaying. I'm like, look, um, the, you know, if this isn't enough, if what I'm telling you about myself isn't enough for us to talk or me to be on your show or whatever the case may be, maybe you should find somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, and you know, we were talking earlier about putting people on pedestals and I can tell you that the type of information that people are trying to gain from these supposed um, ninjas uh is, is only stuff that's been cleared for public consumption anyway. And it's probably really dated stuff that is, um, you know, already been put out in books and, and manuals and everything else. So don't don't come expecting some some top secret well, info because I'm definitely not going to give it to you. It's it's a uh, it, everybody's looking for the, the the silver bullet. Yeah, and that's the same with the knives. It's it's I've always felt that it's the same with the knives. People think that if you have a bigger, thicker fatter knife um it makes up for the skills well people want to be in the know people want to think that there's some inside secret and uh we used to do this when i was a marksmanship instructor we would take uh you know the regular green tipped ammo that a 556 green tip and i'd grab some handful of sand and i'd sit and rub the green paint off of it and get it real shiny and if there was a shooter having trouble, I'd walk over and I'd say, hey, look, I'd look around all conspiratorial and, hey, this is one of our match rounds. This is a sniper round. If you put this in your rifle, you load it. If you apply the fundamentals of sight alignment, sight picture, trigger control with this <laughs> match grade sniper round, you will hit the target. And, of course, if they applied sight alignment, sight picture, trigger control and had the right dope on the rifle, they'd hit the freaking target. And they would come up, hey, hey. 
hey, sorry, Sanders, can I get can I get another one of those rounds? Or you know, I was, like, I was actually yeah, it was a sergeant back then. Um, it is amazing. People want that extra little secret that yeah. they were all holding out on. It's like, well, if you want to do this, how about you go train and spend eight or nine or ten or fifteen years doing it, and then you'll learn. That's hard, though. Well, yeah, yeah it's hard. It's hard. We want to we want to drink a secret elixir, a potion, right? And and get instant. You know, it's a, a friend of mine is doing an expedition for one of the TV shows. Mm-hmm. And I was I was kind of laughing about it because we were we were talking about it. He's like, dude, if you were involved in this, there would be no drama. <laughs> be like, you'd be done with it already. There would be no there would be no show. Well, here's here's my <laughs> advice to people, and I see it all the time with the survival guys on TV. Learn to accept that once a contract is written, and your friend or your favorite guy takes that contract to be on TV, he has become an actor. He is whatever that producer needs him to be for that role. And if you accept him as such, you will enjoy your survival show and it'll be entertainment, which is what it's meant to be. If you're trying to learn, you may learn something, you may, but don't you may learn something. You might not be able to learn how to apply it, but you may learn something. I mean, they may have some, there's, there's information in those, in those shows. And I've said this all along. There's information in those shows that if you listen to it, you'll get it. Yeah. You, you will. You know, but you can't be sucked in by the drama portion of it. Yeah, well, the drama you know? is what sells TV. I, I met the producer of Doomsday Preppers before there was a Doomsday Preppers. And he says, I don't have the luxury of integrity. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> word for word. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> you know? I don't have the luxury of integrity. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. That's beautiful. In a room full of people. (laughs) Well, I think I think that there's. I mean, it is entertainment, and you know, I I talk to a lot of people about archaeology and different things like that, and they say, do do you do I want to be involved with uh, with these kinds of shows where I look like a clown in front of my peers, or do I want to have somebody that's going to fund my expeditions? And I don't care what... Come on, Macy, come on. Right. And I don't care what I look like in front of my peers. And um, and I said, well, that's a decision that you have to make. And I said, and you know, chances are your your peers aren't going to pay you any money. You know, you're not going to make a living by off your peers. Well, and, you know, and so, the problem with survival instructing or any instruction like that is... The money does come from the people who hire you to teach them. Yep. So if you're being shown as teaching something that's false or wrong, or you're, you know, coming behind it saying, "Oh, I really wouldn't do that. It was just for the show." It's kind of hard to get people to show up and pay you money for those skills when what they saw on TV is what they believe to be you. So it's almost like right. make a choice: be an instructor, be an actor. Either one is fine, right? But make a choice. Yep, yep. Well, Chance, my dogs are growling for dinner. Your stomach is growling for dinner, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> your kids are growling for dinner. Yeah, I think that's And your wife is being just ever so beautiful. As always. As usual. Yep. We will uh, we'll get this in the can and get, and get it out here shortly. 
Uh, appreciate having you on. It was a blast, and, man. And uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll we'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll do it with with the three of us on. I think will be real fun too. That would be. Um, that would Kyle be a had a previous commitment today, and he couldn't do it. But uh, we will definitely do another one with the with the three of us on it. We'll get this mastered. Okay. All right, man. Sounds Talk good. Talk to you soon. Yep. Take have it fun. Easy. Take it easy, guys. Yep. Now we're back. Now we're back. Yeah. Now we're back. So they talked about quite a few things, and uh, I've already edited that down, and so I have heard a few few of their things here. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me was uh, I asked a question of Chance because you see on uh, you see videos pop up all the time on Facebook of like a group of people like attacking someone, like a couple. And there was one the other day from Springfield, Missouri, where uh, a guy and his girlfriend were kind of walking, and they were walking down a kind of a, looked like an alley, like an enclosed alley or something. Mm-hmm. And there was a security camera there, and five or yeah, five Illusion? guys ran up and Looks just started like lost attacking him and beating him for no reason. And like uh, they fought Not sure back, what happened which was there. impressive. And the the girl actually held her own. Yeah, like against five guys with her boyfriend, and they they held their own, um, and uh, they were trying to beat up the girl and stuff. She took her high heel off and like smacked him over the head. Um, I tell you what, that's a dangerous freaking stiletto heel on the forehead is. Uh, yeah, that's that's a painful thing. So anyway, you see you see on, it it, it pops up every once in a while. That you'll see something like that where, a group of random people will just run up and attack the shit out of somebody and so i posed a question to chance how do you handle that situation and then how do you how how do you handle it if you're in a vehicle and um you guys talked a little bit about that but one thing that (laughs) that came up in the thread on facebook was uh chance mentioned situational awareness and you guys didn't talk about that on the podcast no Um, because i was too busy driving over people uh, that right that, and that last well, the, that, yeah so i'm, I'm the last talk six about by the six foot, idea yeah let's talk about the on foot situation first and yeah. so in the on foot situation um probably the most useful thing that he had to contribute was just to be aware of your surroundings and you'll stay out of trouble and like yeah. i know i live in a small town and stuff but i've lived in cities for years and years so I lived in Chicago for four years I was born in Chicago and then I I went back um, for four years lived there for four years lived in Kansas City for five years and lived in Louisville for two years so I'm no stranger to um, living you know in living on the edge and things well no I wouldn't say on the edge (laughs) and and I there there were situations that came up but I always was able to avoid trouble because I was paying attention to what was going on. And mm-hmm. if you don't look like a victim, and if you look like it's going to be a problem if they mess with you, then the chances are you're going to, they just won't even bother. You know? Right. And then one of the things that you notice, the, the videos where they attack a bunch of people and the people just kind of cower and sit there and just hope for mercy, they just get beat to snot. 
Whereas yep. in the video where videos where they fight back, like the the attack is short, and once you get a couple licks on a few of them, you know they leave yep. you alone, and you don't end up dying or going to the hospital yep. over it. But um, yeah, and the minute you pull out an axe, that's the end of it. Right. right there. Yeah. You know, and so you know, I think take what I've taken away from it is number one, situal situational awareness. Number two, fight back with any means necessary. Um, right, right. You know, if you have to pick up a garbage can and bash somebody's face in, then you have to. And yeah. my my take on it is is there is no level of violence that you shouldn't go to. Right. Um, because yeah. you don't know what you don't know what level they're going to go to. There's more yeah. of them than there are of you, and you you can't rely on them to stop once you're injured. Well, especially so, if you have if you have a a, a crowd mentality, yeah, um, a mob mentality, they they don't stop. Yeah, and so they just keep going right, because so, nobody initiates a stop. Yeah, and it's not like you did anything to deserve any of that. So the the, right. the two sides are not morally equivalent. Anyone who's attacking right. you has less worth to their life than that of a gnat. And if it yep. means you have to snub them out, then you fucking snub them out. That's yep. the way I look at it. And but. For damn sure, don't don't uh, don't sit there and do nothing. Don't don't hope for the best and hope for mercy because you're not going to get it, you know. Right. Um, and then the situation. Yeah, you'll never you'll is, never get you'll never get mercy. Right, and then so you'll never get. Just by I've never that. had a problem. I've never had a problem like that in in Chicago or or any any city. Um, and and that's because you pay attention to what's going right. on. Right, but I, you know, I, if you if you live there long enough, you will run into situations, and you will prevent situations just by paying. I mean, I had them quite frequently. I I mean maybe a half a dozen in all the times I lived in Chicago, and probably another three or four in Kansas City, and the one that I really remember in uh, Louisville because I used to have to go in to downtown Louisville in the middle of the night. And the university there is not in a good neighborhood, you know. So there was a situation there that I probably shouldn't talk about, um, but avoided injury to myself anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's always real important to, to 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 try to. And you know, it's funny too because you see a lot of people today that that are walking down the street and they're sending text messages. Yeah, you know, they're just and those people are totally unaware. clueless. Yeah, yep, all you yep. have to do is all all that has to happen is someone has to clock them in the face and steal their crap, Woo-hoo. and that's that's yep. what happens, you know. Yeah, yeah. So then um, the other topic, I'm trying to think. Oh, you guys were talking about knife thickness and usefulness, and uh, I, I, you guys are thinking right along the same lines as I am. Um, yeah. yeah, we were. Um, uh, you know, it's it's. I'm not saying I don't want to discount a lot of knife makers nowadays because their their knives are selling like hotcakes. Yeah. But a lot of those knives will never get used. Yeah. You know, in in you know, generally speaking, a lot of those knives will never be used and they're really even too thick to spread peanut butter. Yeah, and you go to you go to do something with some of these thicker knives and there's really not a lot you can do with them. Except mm-hmm. for pound them through a cement block mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and if and I guess if you need to do that, that's you know. But like I said, a lot of times I use you know one of those little uh, pocket knives for something that I'm doing. We got a case of the yawns today. You know, um, did uh, I had to laugh this morning, and and it was. You hear my dog snoring? Yeah. <laughs> um, I had to laugh this morning. I was on uh, watching Fox on uh, the weekend Fox show, and mm-hmm. they must be listening to our podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> they must have heard the one the one from Glib about throwing axes. Oh okay. Because they had some guys on there from some lumberjack school up in Adirondacks, and they were throwing axes, oh, cool. double bitted axes. It was funnier than hell. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I was like, oh, look at those guys. They listen to our podcast. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't think they do? No, I doubt it. I bet you they do. Well, maybe they do. I bet you Tucker. I bet you that. I bet you that chick watches. <laughs> the blonde chick. Well, I don't know. So what? Do you, what did you carry today? You you've been out already, so you had a knife with you. Yep, I had my uh, not my benchmade. I mean, I just old the old standby, the benchmade, the uh, this that uh, kissing crane, yellow Delrin handle, my uh, my little E flashlight, and my um, uh, my titanium thirty eight. Hmm. Cool. Today then I found one of these today. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. One one second on that. Today I carried okay. uh, a case peanut, and oh. it's uh, got a little orange bone handle. And if if people don't know what that is, it's like a real small like pocket knife, but really useful. It's got a clip point blade. It's got a uh, sheep's foot style blade, and it's got a drop point blade. So it's got three little blades on it, um, and really that was that was typically that was typically. Um, a kid's first knife, because they were so because it was so small, and it was and it's and it's an adult knife. There's no there's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. But it's so small that kids can handle it really easy. Yeah. Um, but that's a great knife for fine work. You can you can carve with them. You can do yeah. a lot of stuff with that knife. Well, here's here's what I've done with it so far today. I had to cut some paracord, so I used this. Then I had to sharpen a pencil, so I used it. Then I had to open a box, so I used it, and then I had to make um, some real fine adjustments to a uh, to something, and uh, I used it for that. Some real fine shavings off of something. So, real mm. useful little knife. Um, I I carry this uh, every once in a while. Only thing is, is it doesn't have a pocket clip, doesn't have a lanyard hole. So if you're going to carry it, right. just make sure you're not in a situation where you could potentially use it or lose it anyway. Um. So you held up something just a minute ago. Why don't you tell everybody oh, what that is? Well, it was kind of funny because I I normally don't go in for a lot of this kind of stuff, but the other day, um, Chance and I were talking a little bit about carbide lamps, uh-huh. and uh, I happened to go to an antique store, and lo and behold, they had a carbide lamp with a big reflector on it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's got carbide powder in the bottom of it, and I haven't lit it up yet, but I'm gonna. Uh-huh. I'm gonna try to see how uh, 
you know, well, how, how useful this thing really is. So did you know that um, those have been used for like mining forever? Yep. And also yep. um, for uh, lighthouses. Yep. And um, basically what you have to do to make that work is you put a little water in the can then you have to drop a um, calcium carbide pellet in there. I, I couldn't remember what the name of it was before. Um, but you you drop that in there and it makes acetylene and then you light it. Um, so you you I guess you just have to get some calcium carbide. Uh, well, it's it's got some it's got some. Uh, is it calcium carbide that's yeah. in there? Okay, so there's some powder in the bottom of it, a white powder. I'm assuming. Yeah, that, that's that going to be, be what it is. You, they can, and it's. I've seen them in the whole pellets, thing is and full. then I've seen it in powder. If it's in powder, it's probably going to react really quickly. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, let me see if you can get it on Amazon. See uh, them carbide. Yeah, you you can get uh, little lumps of it. Um, Fairly pricey. Uh, I don't know, not not terrible. Um, and then they they have little. Uh, the other thing they're used for is they, you know, those little little miniature cannons that you use, or uh -huh. that people make. You can use them yep. to blast that off. And ah, well, I want to um, get one of those. I I really yeah. have always wanted a cannon, and I have no, the money to cannon? buy one, and I'm going to buy one someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, the black powder cannons are kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? The blast <laughs> one of those eighteen twelve overture. Um, the the um, you know the history of these lamps. There's they're pretty prevalent up here mm -hmm. from uh, um, the copper mines up in the UP. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of comical because they use these to heat pasties too. Mm -hmm. They actually use these to heat stuff up. Um, and for those of you who don't know who, what pasties are, if you go to one of the uh, areas that has a lot of underground mining, such as um, northern Michigan, where the coal mines are in Virginia, where the gold mines are in South Dakota, and, and uh, uh, southern Nevada, Arizona. Mm-hmm. You'll find that they were all done by when they first were dug. They were dug by the the, the Americans brought Cornish corn, uh, Cornish people here from Cornwall, England, uh -huh. and they brought the pasties. So the pasties are that I think we, I don't know if we talked about them before or not, but it's like a crust with a uh, um, beef and rutabaga and potatoes and carrots in it, and they. Uh, they they fold it all up and it looks like kind of like a pocket pizza, uh -huh. <clears throat> and uh, but they're from Car Cornwall, England, and you'll find them only in those areas of the country. You don't find find them much anywhere else, uh -huh. uh, and it's because they're they're they were a staple for that area for quite a long time while the mines were active, but they were used to they brought them down and used their little tin buckets and heated them up over these carbide lamps. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Let's see, the Queen Cutlery giveaway. Uh, I need to do that. Um, there were 20 entries. And this is uh, Queen Cutlery number 70 uh, in Burgundy. And it's also called uh, The Country Cousin. Oh, yeah. And so Sweet knife. There were 20 entries. 
I have some you get your nerd 20 sided dice. dice. Yeah, I'm getting out my 20 sided dice. And I'm going to legit roll this for our people at home. And let's see. It's eight. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Silent Hunter Studios is the winner. Silent Hunter Studios. Who's that, I wonder? I don't know, but he just won a knife. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll write that lock in. That, lock that thread. Okay, so the uh, the knife detective? Yeah, I did you see that that was been answered by Bill Siegel? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't see okay, that. Okay, well, what, what answer did you come up with? Well, um, I'm not. I'm talking about the the one that that we're working on with Anthony and. Yeah, I, that's been that answered. One? Oh, shut up. Yep. Well, what did you come up with first? Well, I just was saying that that he's uh, um, that he was working on it. Oh, Anthony. That, is? That Anthony was working on it, and uh, I hadn't found anything. Well, maybe he can fill us in with more information. But um, Bill Siegel. Uh, knew right knew what this was because he he'd been exposed to him before, so he says that uh, Jesse Saxon that is a Nax and Jesse Saxon was asking what knife we were talking about. Nax is spelled K N A X. There were two versions. One had a hollow handle and one was full tang. They were made with 440C and they were pretty large but still felt useful. Kind of a pointy hatchet more than a knife. A friend of mine back in the late 80s had a couple in his shop. Still wish I could have gotten one. Um, so the fact that it came with the hollow handle makes me think it was all uh, milled. Almost certainly. Yeah, so we haven't... Uh, we have not... Um, we have not gotten anything from that yet. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, let's see what... Let's see if uh, Anthony... Scalambrini uh, can confirm that. He's with the Gear Geeks Live podcast. So right. you guys should listen to that. That's one of my favorites. And that's Where is uh where did you see that? I'm not even It was on it. my Facebook when I announced uh, the last podcast. So a bunch of people asked what knife it was and then somebody posted a picture and asked if this was the knife and it was. Oh, so it was not a knife journal. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Yeah, see I didn't even see that. Yep. Um. So that's uh, that's the uh, knife detective Perry Mason. Just a few minutes left. Have you been making any deep dish pizza? <laughs> My wife finished off that um, uh, that that um, dough uh-huh. with an awesome pizza. Nice. A smaller version of it, and we are. I ordered a, a pan. Oh, good. And uh, so there we go. Nice. Yep. Yep. Been, yep. What'd you have? You done anything with your geese yet? 
I'm I'm curing my um, currently curing the uh, um, uh, breasts in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cinch them up, and I'm going to hang them in the smoker, mm-hmm. and I'm going to smoke them. Okay. And then it, if it's cool enough, which it's starting to cool off now, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to wrap them in cheesecloth and hang them up in the garage Okay. for a month or so and see if I can't uh, make some kind of uh, salami-type cured meat out of it. Yeah. And then slice... Excuse me, and then I'll slice it real thin with my slicer. That should be good. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Yep. You want to know what I'm curing right now? What's that? Cabbage. Bacon? I'm making ah. uh, sauerkraut. Um, sauerkraut's real easy. We drew, we grew six cabbages this year and uh, uh, went out and harvested them, cleaned them up. And then I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with all this cabbage? So I dug out my crock and the lid and the little weight that goes with it and sliced it up and made some sauerkraut. It's uh, uh, fermenting right now, and uh, it's real easy to do. You just have to get uh, pickling salt uh, and water, and the recipe for how to do everything is in uh, The Joy of Cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You just salt down the cabbage, crunch it down real good into the bottom of your crock and then add water or actually add brine and then you put a weight on there and I've got a weight that weights it down but a lot of people will use uh, just a Ziploc bag filled with more brine to weight it down and then you just let it sit and don't let air get to it and it'll uh, ferment and make you some delicious sauerkraut takes about three nice. to six weeks mine's been going for nice. about a week Yep, tasty stuff. Now, are you picking at it while it's going through its process? Yeah, I, I, I you check on it. You know, you check on it every day um, just to make sure there's nothing going on with it that you don't want to be going on with it. Uh, and uh, I've taken a couple little nips out of there, and it's delicious. Yeah, but I have to leave it alone, otherwise it'll all be gone. <laughs> uh, food-wise, what else do I have going on? Oh, next weekend. Um, my brother uh, works with uh, his boss is Filipino, and there's a there's actually a fairly sizable Filipino community around here. And, really? Uh, yeah, uh, McKay and I are kind of honorary members because uh, I went to the Philippines and he works with them. So ah. they're going to do a uh, lechon roast. So you get a you get a suckling pig, and you clean it out, uh, and then you pack it with like ginger and garlic and onions uh, and then you sew it back up and you put it on a spit and you roast it over a, a coal f- coals, you know, a fire an actual fire and you turn it and you have to stand there like all day and then you just baste it with Coca-Cola and we're doing that next weekend and I got so hungry thinking about it that right now in my uh, oven I have some ribs going did uh, Cor- nice. Korean barbecue style. So you take a, a pear and some soy sauce and some brown sugar, white sugar, uh, molasses, ginger, garlic, and uh, rice wine vinegar, and you make a marinade out of that. And then uh, 
when I do them, I just put them on the grill to kind of get a smoky flavor, and then I finish them in the oven. Because otherwise, otherwise, if you don't slow cook them, they tend to be a little bit chewy. And I like ribs yeah. real, real nice. So I I put them in the oven at two twenty five for a few hours, and then nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. We're having that. You know, my grandma. I remember my grandma used to parboil those. Yeah. Well, that's another way you that was, you can do it. Um, yeah, that was pretty common. You take uh, another way that um, I've seen it is you take your ribs and you cut them up. And the best way that I've ever seen is you take them and you cut them up and you put them in a baking dish and you pour vinegar in there, just regular white vinegar and mm-hmm. some salt and pepper and some red pepper flakes. And you put it in the oven covered real tight and bake it at like 350 for like you know an hour or so till they get nice and tender and you take mm-hmm. them out of that vinegar and then you sauce them and then you can grill them or put them back in the oven doesn't matter but that's mm. uh that's another way to do it um and that the vinegar breaks down the yeah and it, it makes them nice and soft and it gives them a tangy taste oh nice yeah like uh, they taste uh kind of tangy and uh, i love love it that way Yummy goodness. I'll have to try that. Yeah, I, well, I'll give you the And recipe. I can't bring myself to buy freaking ribs. I'm a tightwad. Oh, they're, they're you not know, bad. I buy, you look at, yeah, they're like uh, $4 a pound. Well, you get and, a whole and, rack and, uh, of ribs for, for uh, 9 10 bucks. Less than that yeah, if you live I, where I live. I can get like an eighth, uh, about probably 17 inches of pork loin for about 10 bucks. Yeah, but it's not ribs. The <laughs> well, I know, I know, but it's pork. It's not ribs, and it's though. all meat, and then there's no bones in it. I know, but ribs are their own thing, dude. I know. Well, it's I, I'm a tightwad. Well, I like to eat, you know, a lot of them. Yeah. Well. I mean, I love ribs. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just every time I look at every time I go to the case and I look at them, I'm like, okay, I can get those for four dollars a pound, and there's three quarters of them are bones, <laughs> and I can get those for two dollars a pound and it's it's uh 24 inches long nice and it's a it's a pork uh pork loin Hmm. that's kind of those one of those yeah well next next time i come up there i'll treat you to some ribs (laughs) since since you won't get them for yourself since i was such a tight ass well you know i mean i I do i love to do pork butts too i mean yeah yeah that's the best that's the best bang for your buck if you get a whole uh i did one of these uh uh, was would have been uh, the weekend before I came up to see you. Um, mm-hmm. I did a. I just take them and I, I kind of cheat a little bit. I put a rub on them that you know that mm-hmm. I make myself, and then uh, I get my charcoal grill going with the coals heaped up on one side, mm-hmm. and then uh, I put the pork on the other on the cool side, and then I put wood chips in there, and I smoke mm-hmm. it oh for a couple hours. And then, but if you tried to eat it, then it's not going to be all that tasty because it's going to be chewy and stuff. So then I take it, mm-hmm. and I usually do this the night before I want to eat it, and then I take it and put it in the oven at uh, two twenty-five overnight. No. And you, it's, yeah, you see, cannot well, tell the difference between that and if you'd stand stood out for eighteen hours like screwing with your smoker. Yeah, you know, so. and that's what I do. Yeah. I take I got that that stainless steel smoker. You saw that? Yeah, yeah, there, I right? saw it over on right over there. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> and um, I uh, 
I, it, it'll burn for two and a half hours. I put chunks of wood in the bottom of it, and it'll burn for two and a half hours. It's all wood. There's no electric to it. Yeah. And um, so what I do is I, I set it up at 11 o'clock at night and uh, get the fire started, put the put the uh, pork butts in it, mm-hmm. shut the lid, and uh, go to bed. And I set my alarm clock for two and a half hours all night long. Oh, that's just crazy talk. And then I get up and I run down there and I throw more wood in it and I shut the door and I run back upstairs. Yeah, I, I used to do it that way, but I I discovered that there's really no difference if you because yeah. you know once you once you smoke it once that's plenty, you know. And then so, basically what you're going for after that point is something that's been cooked for a long time at a low temperature. Yeah, and it's just easier just throw it in the oven overnight. But I don't know, it's cheating, but. I, like I should do that. I sh- you know what I should do that too too. You know we have those uh, electric uh, turkey roasters. Yeah, you could. I do bet it you in would there. work really well for that. Yeah, you could roast it in there after you get it yep. smoked up. Just throw it in there. Yep. Well, yep. I got nothing else well, here. No, I do. I we got stuff we got to do today, and I know you do too. So mm-hmm. we got to get going. Yep. It's rock and roll, and. Uh, you have any, you have nothing else nothing uh, how do they find us uh, knifejournal.com right like us on Facebook yep um, podcast at knifejournal.com for an email right send us your email letters and we will read them if they if they say you're a god we'll definitely read them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know what else oh Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah. Follow us on Instagram. What's too. your Instagram? Um, James Noka. Yep, and I'm. Is that, mine is, is uh, Kyle Versteg. K Y L E V E R S T E E G. One word. And we will uh, we Instagram stuff all the time. Yeah, and if you're looking, that call- if you're looking to get one of my knives, it's usually on Instagram or on my uh, uh, Versteg Blades Facebook page first. And if you don't find it there, you're probably not going to get one because they sell in like usually two, three minutes. <laughs> so yep. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, if you, um, uh, I'm going to Instagram this while we're recording right now. Let me whip out a knife. <laughs> there you go. All right. Instagrammed. Nice. Okay, yep. folks. We'll catch you next time and uh, keep your uh, friends sharp, and or your knife sharp and your friends sharper. All right, and we'll we'll catch you next time. Yep. All right. Bye.